on the bright side, he was the record producer and was behind the formation of the two popular boy bands in the 1990s. On the dark side, he ran the longest running and the largest pawn scheme in the history of all schemes. Well, he left people devastated with millions of dollars down the drain. Today, I will discuss the boy band con himself, Lou Perman. This is Cases of the Crimes. Hello guys, welcome back to another episode. Again, I've not taken a lot of it for a long time, haven't put an episode for like a couple of weeks. But I'm back, I'm back. This time, it's not going to be like a blood thing, not a killing people. This one is different, and it's also a criminal for money laundering, making conspiracies and Ponzi schemes because this is the one that we're going to have to cover because no no this guy has been the record producer was behind all the company that he had run and then he was the one who ran the boy bands I mean you no know, all of us loves having them all and because no wonder why there's a behind the scenes of why they're why they made why he created this created two of the boy bands, two of the most popular boy bands we have. Because there's a lot of no over but don't know about the dark side of it. If you want to watch the uh the recommend of the scenes, well as a document, there is a documentary that you could watch on you. Watch on YouTube. If you're a YouTube premium, then it'll be available for you. So this is called uh, The Bobbin Con, The Lou Perman Story. It came out two years ago, March 13, 2019. This, it explains about everything that was behind the scenes of where being a record producer with all advance that you know love and then giving you the depths of the dark side of how he ran this scheme for like a long time. I was like, wow. He pulled off the scheme that can rip everyone off. Trying and people and trying to invest it. We'll get to some details right here. Okay. Yeah. So first thing we're going to talk about the early life. And then the next thing is the Suspicions from the fraud. Um, dumb. This is way before the behind. This way before the the band being became the transcontinental records. We'll talk about that stuff. The industry that he did, yeah, yeah, and then the pond scheme. We'll get into that deep dive in into what are some of the things that he had done, and then. Leads to the the Cronin claim because we get to that. So I was just going to give you, and we're talking about the death. Yes, uh, he died. Well, I'm not gonna do what the whole thing is, but that's 
where we can go from here. So, well, well, this is not going to be an, a killer. He's not a killer. He doesn't want to kill anyone. But what he can kill is your money. Okay? Kill is your money. They're going to rip. He would rip you off. Well, he's dead now, so you don't have to worry about it. Anyways, let's go on and talk about this guy. Right? Okay. Let's do this. Okay, Louis J. Perlman he was born on June 19, 1904 in Queens, New York. Okay, so he was born and raised in New York City, New York. He's the only child of the Jewish parents, a high Perlman, H.Y. And Renny Perlman, I was working on dry cleaning business and Renny works on the school lunchroom, aid, so cafeteria, such. He's the first cousin of Garfunkel, you know, Samuel, you know, know the duo, Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. Yeah, we never knew we have a cousin of one of the famous duo, Simon and Garfunkel, Art Garfunkel. He was a cousin of it. So his home is at the, home is at the Mitchell Gardens Apartments, located at the airport, where he had met his childhood friend. Alan Gross, and he would they would watch a blimp taken off in the air, like very very high thing here. And according to the autobiography that they found, bands, brands, and billions, he used to have that position on his new school paper to earn some credentials and get his first ride in the blimp. He claimed that. He was used to be like a schoolboy, like a newsboy or something like that. No extra, extra coming through and all that stuff. Yeah, but it was disputed by Gross that he was the school reporter and was allowed Herman to tag along. So yeah, I mean he believes that he was like a school paper, but you know it's all BS. Everything he said is. Completely BS. That's why they trying to believe him into thinking that yeah, this is going to come true. You're gonna have a lot of money, but in reality, he's not going to. Okay, so due to his fame and some of the inspire for him for interest in music because he loves being part of this music industry. For a teenager, he managed a band, but it was excessed for that because he wants to be part of this, he wants to be a manager. Despite some success we had, he had turned into attention to aviation, you know, flying stuff, airplanes, blimps, that's what we're talking about. And then during the first year, um, he wrote a business plan for a you know, class project. For the idea of the helicopter taxi. I mean, we never had a helicopter taxi. I mean, we could ride a taxi. Imagine that would happen. So, by the 70s, he launched that the business based on some of this plans, starting with just the helicopter. One helicopter. 
and then persuaded the business angel German with Theodore Willen Kemper to train him on some of the blimps and spend time in the Western about the airships. Okay. I mean, he's so into blimps, but Alan Gross is also into blimps. That's why he's into a little blimp industry. Love that. Love that. Okay. There are some frauds going on here before he hit the band. So, what happened? Well, he returned to the U.S. and he formed Airship Enterprises, which leased a blimp to Jordash, Jordash, or Jordache, what do we call? For actually, um, he used the funds from Jordan to construct a blimp, which is crashed. So, loves when it's great a one blimp. He loved to take the money and make it crash because he doesn't want it. So the two parties were sued, and in seven days later, he awarded $2.5 million in damages. So, wow, yeah, that money started. So, the buyers of the friend coming through, he started a new company called Airship International and then taking up to raise $3 million to purchase one blimp. And he falsely claimed that he had a partnership with Will Kemper. Hmm. You throw a lot of lies there. I mean, he want to make doing some insurance schemes or something, insurance fraud or something. Everyone does that. They want to do something legal, claiming that this is their fault, and then they can get the money. That's the thing that happens all the time. They wanted to have the money by you know to be. The lie or crane a particular lie to claim that this is their fault or uh, accusing someone that's someone else's fault. That's the thing. So he leased the blimp to McDonald's for that. Imagine. Okay, I'm just a little off topic there. So. And then he relocated to Airship International to Orlando, Florida in July 1991, signed MetLife and SeaWorld as the clients for the blimps. So but fortunately, it suffered one of the clients left and three of the aircraft had crashed. Fortunately, the company instead, which had been pumped to like $60 a share, dropped into $0.03 cents a share. And that company was shut down for sure. Well, it was fun while it lasted with that for doing the blimps. So after he took that company in '85, he was fairly close to Jerome Ross, so partner of the Smuggler Train outfit, Norway Securities. And as based on the base side, he went and troubled some of the regulators. So Norway actually traded the airship stock, so they invested that one the whole thing. And the airship stock became higher, enabling him to sell. Hundreds of dollars of the shares and warrants at some higher prices. But the airship was born have a little low venue. Cash flow or the net income they had, yeah. They have a low amount of money because of the the stocks that they are trying to share with. With one of the biggest companies they have. But one of the clients left and now Blimps crash and now he, it's it didn't go so well, right? It did not go so well with the company. It's very awful. 
And in keeping for non dependent stock liquid, he paid Rosen, which is the a partner, commissions according to the friend that reached to like ten of thousand of dollars per trade. But it's actually a little low on money, so I'm sorry for that. So yeah, this is literally he wanted to do. I mean, he likes to have a lot of my money, but he didn't do since he didn't get the no the business. Yeah, I mean, he's the boss, but he doesn't know how to control the company. I mean, if you're a boss, you should know how the company. Okay, you should know about the company. You should know about everything that has been on, but not low karma because it's didn't do it and he just wants money he wants to you know get this company going on going on strong but it did not go so well isn't it no did not anyways now let's get on to the entertainment industry why did he became a record producer so um, he became fascinated with the success of the new Kids on the Block. That's one of the more advanced. Years. Made hundreds of million dollars in record, the tour, and the merchandise, and started the records called Transcontinental. Okay, Transcontinental, which is mimicking you know, what the boy band is small looked like. How a five boys became a one boy band, right? Yeah, a boy band consists of at least. Five, at least five, maybe four, at least four, but the main boy band is consists of five, five, and they're all guys, okay? They're all guys. So he started off with the Backstreet Boys. We know Backstreet Boys. Is a fine known some of the unknown performers they don't know each other about it. In a three million talent search, because they want to find who will be the next boy band. So the duties were assigned to some of the new former kids' lot manager, John Wright, and his wife, Donna. And then, yeah, Baxter became the best selling boy band all the time with, like I said, 130 million. Cool. Hit gold, hitting gold, platinum, and diamond all over in four or five countries. So, well done for them. And then now, permanent rights were introduced to NSYNC. Yes. Chris Kirkpatrick formed that one first. Okay. So, Permanent Rights funded the managed NSYNC in a very similar fashion and selling over 7 million records globally. There's a little behind the scenes of how they formed NSYNC and how they formed Backstreet Boys. You can ask AJ or you can ask Chris about You can ask them. And then, with the two of the major successes in his belt, two of the mains were very successful. So yeah, he became a music mogul. So Carmine became a mogul. And he managed more of the boys were O-Town, LFO, Take 5, Natural, Marshall, Dylan. So, and well, co-created with Kenny Rogers. And US5. And they also have a girl group such as Solid Harmony and Innocence. Well, Britney was part of the Innocence, but very short term. And co-managed with 
Lynn Harless. If you don't know what, who Lynn Harless is, you probably knows now. He's the mother of one of the NSYNC band members, Justin Timberlake. I did not know that, but Timberlake is not his last name. But if you don't, if you want to know what his real name is, well, Justin Randolph Timberlake. So I'm gonna have to search for Justin Timberlake because no, Justin Timberlake has been go through a lot for NSYNC and now he's on his own. So, yeah. His mother is Lynn Balmar Harless and his father is Randall Timberlake. So, so they named him Justin Randall Timberlake. So Justin, definitely his first name. Don't you believe that it comes from his father? Oh, did not know about that. Cool. Cool, cool. Anyways, there are some other artists in the transcontinental. We got Aaron Carter, you know that. Jordan Knight, Smiles, South Star, and C Note. Smiles and Star, Smiles and South Star. It's just together and C Note. So, and he owned Permanent also owned a large insane complex with Orlando, and has a record studio called Transcontinental Studios, and a dance studio right near in Disney World, Old Town. And by the way, in 2002, Perlman Westman co-wrote a book called Bands, Brands, and Millions. My top 10 rules from making any business go black. So both of them have created this one whole book about how to, you know, discuss with entertainment with the bands and everything else. They, was because Lubin had created NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and the other bands they have no wonder why we love so much because they make a lot of money that's good but here comes the dark side of this little industry that you have done so with the obsession of US5 and Marshall all the acts that work with Herman they sued him for federal court in mis- federal court in misrepresentation and a fraud and all these against him have been either won by those who have brought losses against or have been settled out of the court. Mm, that's good. So the members of the Backstreet Boys were first to file the loss against him. Then the, the contract, which collect as both manager producer, was totally unfair. Because Perman was also paid like as a sixth member. He wants to be the part of this band wants to become the sixth. Like, he loves to part of Or, in this case, one sixth of the income. Right? He like he wants one sixth of their income. That's what they want. That's what he wanted to do. So, the dissatisfaction that they had started when Brian, no, Brian. Literal hired a lawyer to determine that why do we receive three hundred thousand dollars for all of the work while him and Perman and the other rec- had made little millions of money and their band had made three hundred thousand dollars. I remember there was a story when they had they're in the middle of the dinner. They have all the expenses, they have all the funds and everything they had, and they ended up a check that this is represent for. Every every member of the band 
is they love money. They want to have money. They should have like around hundred thousand dollars, three hundred thousand dollars, like a lot of money, like a lot, a lot hundreds or millions of dollars. Says that means it's money. They can have now it's life changing. Fortunately, they had the check for around like ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars. That costs less money than the average teacher's salary, right? To、so、have three hundred thousand dollars, like what? That was like low. Is is it is the salary? That was the lowest salary than a teacher. Teachers can make a lot of money per year than the, than being a boy man. So. NSYNC as well have having similar issues with him, and some of the members followed the suit. So yeah. And in age fourteen, Aaron Carter filed that lawsuit in two thousand two, that accused him and the transcontinental cheating him out of like hundreds of thousands of dollars of racketeering. And the pattern of the criminal racketeering is a crime, which. Perpetrator set up a coercive, fraudulent, extortionary, or otherwise legal coordinated scheme to operation to repeatedly and consistently collect a, the entire profit, and that suit was later settled out of the court. Yeah, so there are some little issues about you know the money that they done, but that's not number one because of him. They he ripped them off. The boy bands and the artists off—that's not nice. That wasn't really. That's not cool. Because probably made a lot of million dollars, but the boy bands made a small fortune. That's not fair. That's no. They worked so hard for that for like few years. Being a boy band is so hard. You had to make a lot of money to grab a lot of stuff. And also paying expenses for everything, the recordings, the, the studios, the tours, merch. I don't think they have merch or anything like that, which is like nowadays. Maybe I want to talk about the music industry there, but man, Herman had ripped them off at the very beginning. Okay, now let's talk about the scandal of this no town for someone who's in the town. All right. On September two thousand two, Perman purchased a internet-based company called Options Town Group. That's E-model or Stupid A, which would go through some of those server names like Transcontinental Talent, Wilma Town Scouting, or Web Style Network, Fashion Rock, Town Rock, all that stuff. Name. All some of the incarnations were based on the model found with founder Alec Diefrawley. So, as a convicted conners, played this little role in running the options CCWSN and Fashion Network, Fresh Rock, all that little company's nonsense. So the company received some press attention, a range of questions about you know, the practices, the business, and some declarations that they're scams. Why they're trying to rip us off? Why are they want this? So. After Hot Jobs and Monsters, a couple like thousands of an ads, they advertised this no industry magazine website 
that they have looked at and just make sure everything was in place, but it makes sense in there. All right, let's move on. So the Better Business Bureau's op- opinion about those companies was negative. A pattern of complaints concerning misinterpretation in sale and practices. So they did something very quite odd and strange that, hmm, something's very fishy about those companies. And it's not in a good way, you know. And then we have the protection board issuing some of the alert with like a photo mill scam. There's a little different, there's different kinds of scams right there going through. Um, and the commissioner declared that those companies were violated against the California law and several agencies were reported to investigate, investigating the company. So they were investigated by that, those companies. And in Florida, 2,000 companies were filed. And then the attorney, Charlie Christ, and the BBB, an investigation started with AG Dowd. So, yeah, something's very fishy. We're going to investigate them, see how they're trying to rip us off like that. However, as the newly appointed AG McGregor to find any like violations and no charges were filed. Oh, crap. And for company matters was the fact that the company had declared the bankruptcy. So they left with no deep pockets in which to collect damages. So don't have any money to yeah, they I think they're hiding from us. That's basically what they're doing. Because they are coming after those companies and then trying to hide all the evidence that there's nothing left you no know, to be seen. Okay, not that. And in 2004, the Fashion Rock had filed a civil lawsuit for the Michigans who criticized Perlman's town businesses. Oh, goodness. And the case was this, it was closed in around 2006. So one accused Canadian fraud expert, Les Henderson, successfully pursued a liberal lawsuit against Perlman, Tona F. Draw, and some of the Sarah August. So filed this little lawsuit for them from Ashen Rock. So Fashion has are continuing to live on this one until 2007, February 2nd, 2007, when the assets were sold to, in were sold due to his bankruptcy. Once have no money at all, so that comes to shut down. So Drifar continued final losses that were all dismissed, and running recently running Band Incorporated, aka Softrock.org, okay, employer network. From St. Andrews as a little former TCT, as before, by Transcontinental Talent. So yeah, they had this new one, it's called Expand Inc. Softrock.org. So, yeah, this is a lot of people that were, all the talent scouting, people finding someone, but there's some little business going on and some malpractices of, no. That, 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 that doesn't make sense. Why are they being so fishy right now? Everything was seen very suspicious. All the things that he had done, it's oh man, that drives a lot of them crazy. So yeah, that was insane. We have the boy bands got ripped off. Now the whole entire company, now the companies from transcontinental stuff, talent search scouting bullcrap or whatever that goes through yeah 
It's all that because of him, because it created this little Ponzi scheme that he had done. That's what he did. Remember who made the Ponzi scheme before that? You've seen Bernie Madoff, okay? If you see the example of Bernie Madoff, yeah, he had done a lot of Ponzi schemes. But if you don't know what a Ponzi scheme is, I'm going to explain to you what it is because let me listen. Okay. Ponzi scheme is like some kind of fraud. You want to lure the investors and want to pay the profits to the other investors with the ones who have been part of the investor. And then we don't want any more investors to come by, you know, just give them all a lot of stuff, get all the money to them. No, all the money to this one person. And when I say one person is because he run that scheme. So basically he want to give all of that money to this person by saying something that will be a very believable and just invest in them. All that money will be going to the company. That's what this person is going to lead to them. They're trying to convince you that if you want to make a lot of money, you can do this example A, B, C, a lot of benefits here. And people will start to believe in you. They're, so brain, they're going, well, someone is going to brainwash those investors that we love this company because of doing this or doing that. And then when all that's said and done, the investors will give them will give that one to the money to the company. But in reality, all that money will be going to that one person who created that scheme. It's all his. All his. Yeah. So yeah. That's, and that's what he did in that little Ponzi scene that he had done a lot. So, in 2006, some of the best discovered Perman had perpetrated the longest-running Ponzi scheme in American history and had defrauded investors out of more than a billion. Out of $300 million were still missing. Yeah, $300 million that were missing. Because all he has that three hundred dollars, all that stuff. But he has some plans of what he's going to do with all the money that he had. For more than twenty years, Perman had enticed some of the individuals and banks to invest the Transcontinental Airline, Transcon Records, and both the company's parents, the Transcontinental National. Yeah, he created those companies and the entire parent for that Transcontinental National. And all those three companies were fictions as only existed in paper. At least until his boy fans took up and Transcon Record was profiting from that little sign X. So after the huge success of those two bands, he turned the groups and their fame engine to further expand his pawn scheme. Because he wants to pull off this little trick of his, right? And he used a falsified FDIC, so the Federal Deposit Interest, AIG, and Lloyd's of London documents. He used like some fake documents and stuff. Just win the investors over 
on this program titled like Employee Investment Savings Account. That's why he has this program. And he used that fake financial savings created by a facetious accountant from firm Cohen and Siegel to secure some of the bank loans. No. Trying to invest him. Just no. Wants to win him over. Well, he wants to win the invest to get to the investors over so that they are going to believe him and they will give them the money but to that well that would advantage his team his pawn his team. yeah like i told you guys it's not this is not a, a killing uh, people right here this is about killing your money yeah he's not coming after you guys he's coming it well, he's not. He was not going after you. He was going after your money. Try to rip you off. There's a lot of um, businesses. They're very shady. There's some, you know, very, very vicious, vicious schemes that try and pull up and they want to make a little profit. You know, profit over people. And that's what lesson learned, because. Trying to hurt a lot of people. Oh, financially, financially. So the investigation comes through, and in February 2007, the regulars in Florida announced that no transcontinental service was indeed a fraud, and it took a possession of the whole company. So most of these 95 million dollars was collected from the investors. Were gone. Yeah, all the. They have all that he had collected, them, they're all gone. So the urge transfer judge, Randy Roach, ordered him and two of the associates, Pichetti, Robert Pichetti, and Michael Cadell, to bring back to here, US, any instance of taking abroad, which derived from some illegal transactions. Because he put a lot of money, he put that to somewhere else from over the country that likes to go. So, following the flight from the officials, over the course, he had been set and seen in Israel and Germany and was arrested in Indonesia on June 14, 2007. After they had been spotted by some of the tourist couple from Germany. So, you know, people there, this is from all over the world. Now we found it. And he lived in a tourist hotel in Nusa Dua in Bali. So, he was in Bali enjoying also good things, but they got arrested then. So he had been seen in Orlando in January 2007 and early February in Germany, including like a including that he was appeared on TV in February 1st. So that's all evidence there. And he was seen in Russia, Belarus, Israel, Spain, Panama, and Brazil. And in early February, the attorney in Florida received a letter from Parliament was sent from Bali. He was indicted by a grand jury on June 27, 2007. Specifically, he was charged with three counts of bank fraud, one count of mail fraud, and one count, one count of wire fraud. We have so many frauds this time. We have bank fraud, mail fraud, and wire fraud. Mail fraud, there's a lot. Frauds that going through a lot of mail, trying off. You can see a little document, see a little letters that might be a little off. Wired fraud is just wiring the money 
from you know direct deposit and all that stuff there yeah takes a lot a long time he's doing this and he's been over the country but they have seen him a lot because wants to have a money he likes going somewhere you know? so yeah five days after before sensing he requested a telephone and internet connection and internet connection for two days to continue you know, promoting the brands but the judge rejected that request and then on may 21st Charles sentenced him to 20 so the judge sentenced herman to 25 years in prison on charges of conspiracy, money laundering, and making false statements during the bankruptcy proceeding. So, Pemberton reduced his prison time by one month for every million dollars he held a bankruptcy trusted to recover. So, he ordered individual investors to be paid before institutions and some of the little assets that he had done during that little bankruptcy thing, right? Yeah. A lot of stuff. So speaking of bankruptcy, let's talk about that. So he had no choice but to put him and the companies into bankrupt in 2007. He was involved in bankrupt in March of 2007. So the trustees and lenders then auctioned off of his assets and some of the personal belongings, including like a mansion full of works of art and press memorabilia, all that stuff and discovered that the art and the memorabilia they had were totally fake. Those were not real at all. <laughs> and what could be sold was auctioned through eBay and the traditional would be sold there. They're all in through eBay and traditional banks action house. Oof, that's a little rough there. And then the church street station, okay. Sorry, train station in somewhere in downtown, which he had purchased in 2002. So at a bankruptcy auction for $34 million. Jeez. I want to put that little bankers into it. And then his belongings, like college degrees, was purchased by AV Club, purchased by ATV Club Journalist, and purchased by Nate Rubin during that little EV auction. I mean, did he went to college? I mean, probably uses college degree, but is it useless or not? I don't think it's useless. But hey, let's just see how it went down. Okay. Now, during the interview, Rich Cronin, he's the former leader of Elbow, so he received some of the fraction of the money owed him some of the records and he claimed that he wanted he had wanted to bang everyone and attempted to seduce him multiple multiple times oof there were some incidents that happened that he can definitely like touch you he wants you know he wants the boys you know to stay in shape you know and then one time he had touched Someone, other mem, other mem, other member, well, band members, no, touching. That was like, I was, I was so uncomfortable. I was like, no, I don't want to work. Like, no, I don't want to work with this, this guy. Cause, 
he had this sexual imagination, social fantasies about you know, the boys who are very little sexy. Want to take the shirt off and see all some of the action, you know? <laughs> yeah, that that kind of sets in a little issue about the no his claim. And then another fellow, the man member Brad Shea, however, continued to to him as a friend due to the no, sad news of the arrest, the imprisonment, and death. He still considered a friend. Nick Carter. And asked if that claim was true, it was suggested that there's a bitterness might be motivating the factor of that whole entire claim. And then, interview conducted by the Lance Bass or Bass uh, asked about the case, saying that he had never behaved inappropriately then. So, he had never done anything. Well, Lance Bass is gay, by the way, he's married to a guy. He had never done anything. Sexually, really from Berlin. Some others, yeah, some, yeah, some people. So, well, Cronin believed that he had, that Perman had actually done a lot of sexual stuff, while others say no, they had never done anything that from him. No, that might kind of be very, very suspicious there, friend. But hey, that's a. A lot of small things coming through. No. And so, yeah, unfortunately, in 2008, he began the prison sentence with a project release date. So, he was supposed to be out on March 24, 2029. So, yeah. And he suffered a stroke in 2010 while he was in jail. Yeah. Diagnosed with a heart valve or something. And he had essentially replaced a heart valve like a few weeks before, no, sort of that. And yeah, and they took him to the hospital, it was scheduled for no, another surgery that he had on his heart. And unfortunately, Perman died while in custody in Miami, Florida on August 19, 2016, from cardiac arrest. So he was buried and buried in the family burial, and he was 62. He was 62 years old. He died from it. And that's it. That is a lot of things to handle. Too much, too much things to handle. Yeah, that's the entire story. Of Lou Perman. Yep, he's going through a lot of becoming, running this Ponzi scheme, trying to rip everyone off. The boy, trying to rip everyone off. Boy bands, the investors, the some of the employees from another, place from another company or probably the sister, maybe the parent company. He ripped everyone who was involved off, so that he can make. A lot of money just for himself so that he can go anywhere and use that money for something else. Yeah, that's why he does. Well, I know he was the one who formed those boy bands as again, factory boys, but 
you know what the dark you know what his dark side is. Just ran upon the scheme just to rip everyone off. Yeah. Oof. That is a that's rough for me. So yeah, he did all that stuff. And like I said, he's not going to kill you with not knives, not anything like that. He's just trying to. They want the, they want well, he wants them to give them, them the money put it on the company. But actually, he likes to take the money from actually wants to take the money from the investors because he likes that. But he likes to believe some of the stuff, putting down some of the evidences. So not gonna to know that yeah, this company is legit, right? Right. And today, they, a lot of ripping everyone off. You know, scams are still, this happened today. Now with the phone calls and everything like that. And we have a lot of ways to rip everyone off. It's not just a little permanent, but our people who is also who, is, who are like Indians or something like that. I don't want to aforementioned mention about that, but yeah. Lou Perman was a record producer, ran and on the Ponzi scheme. Went to jail, make some false advertisements, on laundering, yeah, all that long scene, and then he died then. So, yeah, that is hard. I mean, that's the entire story of him. Finally had to move on with a lot of stuff, but yeah. Oof. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode. I know there's a, a lot of things about the money because, yeah, he's not, again, he's going for the money. That's all he wanted to do. All right, guys, that is it. I will see you next time with another case. It could be the Ponzi is the one who run. It could be the one who run the Ponzi scheme, or could be going back and just you no know, have the next one being killer or something. It's just blood and money. That's what want. Well, wants to like killing people and just leave behind. No, this is not. It's not just blood. It's not real blood. It's just. But anyways, I think we're done here. Okay. Alright, goodbye everyone, and take care.